Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to inspire you to follow Christ, and to convict you to lead a consecrated life. How do you deal with difficult people? Jesus teaches us that there's nothing noteworthy about showing love to those who love us. Rather, he says that we are to be like God, who sends rain on the just and the wicked. He calls us to love annoying people, boring people, monopolizing people, vengeful people, shallow people, prideful people, and all other kinds of difficult people. We are not free to set our own artificial boundary on love. Instead, we must love without limits. Listen to this powerful message by Victor Gluckin, originally taught at Revive 2018. This sermon will challenge you to strengthen your relationship with God, since in the end, he alone can sustain you with his love so that you can freely love those who don't love you back. Here now is episode 131, Love Without Limits, with Victor Gluckin. You can take your Bibles, please, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I will tell you ahead of time that I do not have anything clever for you tonight. No carts. No uh, catchphrases that you're going to be able to walk away with and remember all year. And here's the problem with those catchphrases, which I love to use myself. The catchphrase remains, but the spiritual truth doesn't. That's true for me. Hey, you remember that sermon when it was like, Salad Puma is great? Yeah, I don't remember what that was about, but I remember that catchphrase. Right? The carts, the sermon illustrations. Unfortunately, what gets lost is the point that God wants us to take away. And so here's the problem with what my task is tonight. I'm going to go to all sorts of verses that we already know. And because I don't have anything clever to say... We may not be like, oh, remember last year when you said love is patient, love is kind. That was awesome. (laughs) And so our temptation is going to be perhaps to tune out these verses. And I'm I'm praying that uh, that's not true about this group here tonight. That the truth of God's scripture and his words and the words of Christ will be alive in us tonight. And as much as we remember sermons and experiences of the past... His word will be, will be alive in us tomorrow and the next day and the next day until Revive 2019. So, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have what? Love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains... But I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Without love, we're nothing. Love is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. We heard earlier when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, love. Now Paul is saying, If you do all these great things and have these amazing spiritual experiences, but don't have love, we're nothing. Can you imagine having faith to move mountains? Can you imagine knowing not just a couple mysteries, but all mysteries? I mean, if if somebody in this room, you know, had all prophecy and all mysteries and was doing like amazing works, we would be like, that's, they're the real deal. But if they don't have love, if they're not a person of love, it doesn't mean anything. How important is love? That's crazy to think about. Love is the most important thing. In verse 4, Paul tells us what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly or rude. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take an account of wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love and a person of love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures 
all things. Love never fails. I love this. I love these verses here because it tells us what love looks like. What's love? Is love flowers? Is love the color red? Is love doing nice things, saying nice words? Well, it might be, but this is what God says love looks like. A person of love looks like this. You might have all faith. You might know all mysteries. You can prophesy. You can speak in tongues. All those great things. That's good. God wants us to do those things. But if we don't look like this, it doesn't matter. This is what love looks like. And God elevates love as the most important thing. The most important thing is what? Love. Love. Love, love is not just being nice to people. I feel like that's what I kind of think love is. Like, oh, that person's really nice means he's love, but he may not be patient or kind or jealous or he might brag all the time about how nice he is. He's not loving. We might be a, lo a, a nice people, but we may not be a loving people because when it really comes down to it, we know we are the people of love, which is the most important thing. When how do we express love when things or people are difficult. You notice what Paul says here, love is patient, it's kind, it endures things. Like if he wanted to explain it the way I think about love, he'd be like, love is like that warm, fuzzy feeling and when the girl walks in the room, you go, hey. <laughs> right? Or the guy, hey, whatever. <laughs> but he says love endures things. What's that all about? Love is patient. It doesn't keep a record of when it's wronged. This is what love looks like. Love, if we're really going to be a people of love, love is going to have its proving time when things or people in our lives are difficult. Isn't that the truth? There are some people in your life, I hope, that are easy to love. Do you have people in your life that are easy to love? Hopefully you have a friend that's easy to love. My kids sometimes are very easy to love. And the primary reason that uh, my friends or my children, for example, are easy to love, let's just be honest for a minute, is because they love us. I have this one, well, my middle daughter, Esther, she just wants to cuddle with me all day. I could take that, right? My son just wants to cuddle with my wife all day and wrestle and punch me, and he's about this high. <laughs> all day. I love that. I love, you know, when I come home from work, they go, daddy, and they run towards me. I like that. Y'all didn't do that at registration, Jerry and Richard. Oh yeah, what's your name? Pick the name tag that fits with the one you like, right? They didn't run up to me. Next year, brother. But, but, there are some people that are easy to love. When my daughter Esther comes up to me, she goes, dad, can I just cuddle with you? I'm like, yes. That, that's easy. There are people like that. Maybe you have friends that, that, that you can just count on them and they're reliable and they care about you and they ask how you're doing and genuinely care. They don't just want you to say I'm fine so they can dump on you. And you have friends like that that are easy to love. But then we have difficult people. Amen. There are people in our lives that are difficult to love. People that have hurt you. People that don't like you. People that are just irritating. People that have disappointed you. People that waste your time. Do you know that person? They're coming towards you. Oh, hold up. My phone's ringing. I'm sorry, brother, but just real quick, you know, you put up your phone because they're just going to, oh, man, they're just going to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Oh. People that do things you don't like. We're living in a very partisan country right now. And, and there are people that say things politically that drive me crazy. That drive me crazy. I don't even care about politics. But when you say that, oh, oh, come on, please, please, just, please, please, delete Facebook. Stop, right? That drives me crazy. Difficult people like that. People that are difficult sometimes are the people in our lives that we can't get away from. Some of the difficult people in your life might be your family. It might be your spouse. It might be your children. It might be your parents. It might be your coworkers. There are some difficult people that you can just be like, well, we'll see you next year at Revive. I don't have to worry about it. But then there are some people that you live with that are difficult. Not annoying, not just different, but difficult. 
And those people are hard to love sometimes for me. And so too many Christians draw a line in the sand about how far this love thing is really going to go. Am I right about that? Right? There are certain people that are easy to love that we know we should love. And then there's, there's just limits that we're not going past that limit. The difficult people line is right here. I'm staying over here. You can stay over there. And so then what we do instead is we get hardness. We avoid. We get bitter. We plot. We dwell in it in our minds. And we dream sometimes of a better life or option with those people not around. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Sometimes it's hard to love people, especially people in your lives that are difficult, that don't respond the way you want them to in every situation, or are just annoying, or maybe unlike you, or you're uncomfortable around them. But here's the thing that we're going to talk about tonight. I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the kind of man, the kind of Christian, that does not have limitations to my love. That doesn't allow the line in the sand of your issues or your problems or how you treat me stop me from being a loving person like Jesus. I, I'm praying that God will do that work in me tonight and continually because I have those lines and you do too. And here's the truth. If we're okay with those lines, if we're okay with those lines in the sand of, if you do this, ah, I'm not loving you anymore, I'm backing away. If we're okay with those limits, then we have limits to how far we're willing to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is going to call us to love everyone. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you will be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors, which is uh, symbolic of just like the worst people of their society, don't they do that? If you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, the people that don't even believe in God, don't they do the same? What did Jesus just say? He says, the most important thing, love God and love other people, right? Didn't he just say that? And what he says to people that are in the room who want to follow him, who are his disciples, he says, but here's what I'm saying to you. I'm calling you to a higher standard of love that doesn't have that line in the sand where you only love people who love you. I want you to love your enemies, right? So we've heard that verse before. Love is patient, love is kind, love your enemies, blah, 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 blah. But think about what he's asking us to do. He says that if you just love the people who love you, big deal. What, Jesus? Really? That's what he's calling us to. He's saying, if you're just willing to love the people who love you back, then you're just like everybody else. And the people who are just like everybody else aren't Christians too. Christians are different. They're out of this world. They're, they're supernaturally changed and empowered. They have a new life empowered by God's Holy Spirit inside of them that pushes out. So he's saying, if you have those limits of your love, if, if once it gets difficult, you say, eh, then we've got a problem. If you just love the people that love you, you're missing what it means to really follow Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about how we do this in a minute. I just want to lay the groundwork that this isn't a limit we can have. In the realm of people in our lives, we have friends, people we love. We have the eh people, right? It's like we all have the eh people, right? Yeah. And then we have the enemies, okay? And so whether you're over here or over here, what is Jesus calling us to do to them? Love, right? No limits. No limits to the love. He says that that's what people that don't believe in God do. But the mark of what it means to be a Christ follower is that we don't just love the people that love us because everybody does that. But Christians love even the difficult people in their lives. That's what Jesus is saying tonight. Look what it says in 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Loving the difficult people in our lives 
is the essence of true Christianity. Loving the difficult people in our lives is the essence of true Christianity. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a true Christian. I don't want to be one of those fake Christians, right? That just shows up in the right place and nods at the right part and goes, amen, when the preacher says, say amen, right? I want to be like a real Christian. I really want to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, if you really want to be and look like me, it's loving everybody. Even the difficult people, Lord, even the difficult people. Look what he says in 1 John. The Lord says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, We know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. That's what we know love looks like. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not just in what we say, but like let's really love people is what John is calling us to. For we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. John is saying that the mark of a true Christian is love. And not just the love that has limits, but a limitless love that loves everybody even the people that are difficult in their lives. And that's how you know you're really a Christ follower. You want to know if you're really saved? You want to know if you're really on the right path? Look at your love life. Hold up. Got a catchphrase for next year. How do you know? Look at, look at your life and how you're loving, not just the people who love you back, but the people that are difficult. And if you're loving the people that are difficult, you're on the right track. Chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love who also? His brother. No joke. I met with a man once that was having a problem with uh, someone in the church, a, a, a woman. And I said, look, man, you say you love God and you're super spiritual, but you have this conflict here uh, and you're not loving them. There's a problem. And he says, well, yeah, but what does the verse say? It, it doesn't say love your sister. It says love your brother. <laughs> Come on, man. That's just ridiculous. He's talking about the family. So just in case there's one of you out there thinking, well, I don't have to love my sister now. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that because God has first loved us, we love each other, and we can't say that we love God if we don't love other people. If we don't love other people, we are missing the mark. Now here's the problem. The problem is when the people who are supposed to love us don't. What about that? That is when, for me, it's really hard. If we're talking about like within the family of God, when people that are close to me don't love me or are mean to me, that really hurts. That's really hard to love somebody who does me wrong. That's when I feel tempted to shut down. That's when I feel tempted to be justified not to love. But here's what I, I want us to think about. It may be that the difficult people in our lives are one of God's ways to reveal to us our need for Christ. I look at the difficult people in my life as obstacles in the way of my relationship with God. But maybe the people that are in my life that are difficult are actually God's way of showing me where I have issues. Because you know what I do when difficult people come around? I get angry. I get bitter. I shut down. I start to lie. No, no, everything's fine. No, 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 I'm just, just real busy right now. I can't, I, I just can't do it. I can't get together, right? I'm sinning in those areas because of you. And so instead of me justifying my sin because of your issues, 
Maybe God wants me to look at it and say, wait a second, there's anger in me. And this difficult person in my life is God's way of saying, God, I need your help here. God, these difficult people might not go away. What are we going to do about that? What, can you imagine if the difficult people in our lives never go away? What are we going to do then? What if they never change? What if they're always difficult for our whole lives? At one point, we're going to have to make a decision to say, okay, God, help me love them or quit and leave. Those are the two choices. But, but the difficult people in my life can reveal something inside of me. I can ask God, why is this person making me so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I avoiding this person? Why am I waiting for them to change before I show love? Why are there limits to my love? And so the people that are difficult to love can show us where we need the Lord's help. So rather than tonight me just say, like, here are five practical ways to love people that are difficult in your life. Maybe the first thing we can do is say, okay, God, you clearly want us to love the difficult people in our lives and not have limits. And maybe before I start thinking about how I treat them, you're showing me something in me that needs to change first. The reason why I have limits to my love is because I'm like a bucket. My heart is like a, a bucket that has a certain capacity. And when you give me enough love, you know what happens? When you fill up my love tank and my love bucket in my soul, you know what happens? It splashes out back at you. So when Rose shows me love and she's kind, you know what happens? I, I chat to her. And, and, when, and when Derek, you know, shows me, and he says something to me, right? He's like, hey, hey, that really blessed me when you ingest such as, oh, Oh, thank you. That just makes me feel so good. That's what I'm doing in my heart. Really, I'm just like, no problem, bro. <laughs> but if, it makes me feel good, right? When, when people love you, doesn't it make you feel good, right? When they affirm you, when they do things for you, when they're kind, when they're thinking of you and thoughtful, right? Someone sends you a text, hey, I'm praying for you today, man. That makes me just feel great. And those people, they fill up that tank and I just go, blah, blah, right back. But the problem is, people don't always fill up the love bucket. And so if I'm in a relationship with someone, whether my spouse, my children, my friends, people in the church, or wherever, people at your job, your parents, and they're not filling up that love tank, you don't show them love back. And you're going to go somewhere else that will find you that source of love that will fill up the tank, right? That's why we don't want to be around parents that don't love us and we find a relationship to be in instead and we compromise because they're filling up the tank, they're filling up the tank, it makes, and I can love them back. That's what we do, right? We go places where our love tank gets filled up and then when it gets filled up, we're ready to let it splash on other people. And the people that fill up our tank get our splashes. And the people that don't, we save our splashes for the people that do, right? That's what I'm like. I am not a person that loves difficult people because they don't fill up my tank, they deplete my tank. They deplete my tank and so they don't get my love. Wherever they are on that range of difficulty, they don't get my love because they don't fill up my tank. And that's wrong. That's, that shows me my brokenness because I'm looking for that source which will fill up that tank. And here's the thing. There's only one reliable source to fill up our tank so that we can splash the love on even the difficult people in our lives. God is a fountain of living water. His love is endless. His love endures forever. His love is not dependent on our behavior back to Him. We don't fill up His love tank. He's already full and splashing out all over humanity. And unless I'm getting filled from Him, I don't give it to anybody else. Or I only give it to the people who give it back to me. And there's a problem with that. And so if we want to be the people that love even the difficult people, we have to find the source that can fill up that part of us that splashes love back on other people. And it's only found in God. It's only found in God. Your wife 
will not consistently and faithfully fill up that tank, nor will your husband, nor will my children. Because you know what? Sometimes I come home and they're not interested. They're watching a show. <laughs> and Paw Patrol fills up their tank more than dad walking in. People in your church don't fill it up. Sometimes they do, but then sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're going through stuff. Sometimes they're the difficult people. Sometimes they offend you. Sometimes they fail you. Your parents aren't those people. Sometimes they're going to fail you. Many of us, they have failed us completely if they're even there at all. And so our tanks are empty unless we go to that source, that fountain of living water and just be splashed in his love. That's why 1 John says we love because he first loved us. The only way I'm going to be able to love the difficult people in my life is not just because Jesus commanded it. I'm just going to be honest with you. That doesn't do the trick for me in my life. I know it. I want to believe it, but I don't do it. You know why? Because I don't have my love filled up enough to splash it out on the difficult people in my life. And so what I do is I just do good deeds and, oh, we better bring a casserole over to the people we hate. <laughs> but that's giving it all to the poor but not have love. And so it's pointless. They may enjoy a good meal, but God is not pleased. My relationship with God isn't united. But if God has filled up and is filling up your love bank, you have the love you need to love even the difficult people in your life. So, love is the most important thing. We shouldn't have limits to our love, but the way that we will have the fuel we need to give the love to everyone is if God is, is filling us with His love and it can be enough to splash out to everyone else. So when you think about the great men and women of the Bible, that's what we think of, that's what we see. Joseph, are you kidding me? His family wasn't this picture perfect. They were the dirty dozen. His brothers sold him into slavery. They were jealous of him. And when he sees them on that final day, what does he do? He loves them. How can he do that? I don't know about you, but I, would be, I wouldn't be like Joseph to those people. David and Saul. Saul is like... His, his hero for a while, he's his employer for a while, he becomes his father-in-law for a while, he's the leader of, the, of his army for a little while. He's throwing spears at him one day. He's saying, David, I really need you to play that song. I just love it. Can you, can you just play that song on my heart? Oh, David, I just love when you play. Spear to the head. So his authority figure, his family, the leader, of the, of the nation isn't filling up David's love bank, but how does David treat him? He honors him. He cares about him. He doesn't kill him when he has the chance. David and Joseph must have some source outside of those relationships to enable them to love those difficult people. And Jesus, it's like he didn't go through a town without having half the town being, no, no, don't leave, and the other town half wanting to stone him and calling him a bastard. His own disciples leave him, betray him. How does he keep loving? How does he keep on the cross? Forgive them. Reinstating Peter after Peter denied him and cursed him. He must have a source outside of those relationships and those people. And we are not going to be able to love the difficult people out there and the partisan people out there and the people that don't like us and the people that hurt us if we don't have our hearts filled with the love of God that we've been talking about this weekend. That's the only way we're going to do it. If we set out this weekend and say, all right, I'm going to love difficult people and that person that I'm thinking about right now, I'm going to reach out to them and say hello to them. And, and you know what? We're going to do that. It's going to be good. And they're going to say, why are you texting me? Why are you calling me? Oh, I tried, Lord. I tried to just follow the commandment because it's a commandment. That's not the way it's designed. We're not designed to follow Jesus by our best effort. We are fueled to be the people of love because we have been filled with God's love first. That's the only way it's going to happen. I know this isn't revolutionary. We all knew the answer already, probably. But this is the only way we are going to be the people that we long to be and desire to be. That's the only way.
In Revelation 2 on the, on the screen, look what Jesus says about the church. He says, the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for whose namesake? For my namesake, and have not grown weary. Hold on. Jesus is commending the church at Ephesus for some amazing things. These people are faithful. These people have the truth. And they're holding fast to it. It says they're persevering. This is, I mean, like if Jesus showed up at your house and says, hey, I got some things I want to talk to you about. And he says, hey, you're keeping the faith. Hey, remember those people that were trying to deceive you and get you to fall away from the truth? You, you held fast. I'd be like, all right. What else you got to say? Well, look what else he says. Next verse. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of his place unless you repent. You see, all those things that, that he commended them for at the, at the beginning are, are things that we want to be commended for ourselves, right? Like Sean said, we want to be holy. We want to be faithful. We don't want to just be willy-nilly. But Jesus says, if you know the truth, you believe the truth, you're doing the deeds that are in accordance with the truth, and you're, you're on the ball and you're enduring, but you don't have love, there's a problem. And this is so convicting for me because I rest in the fact that I know and believe the truth. But what about the difficult people in my life? What about my love for them? Doing good deeds, believing the truth, keeping the faith is all good but they lost their love. Six months ago uh, in my life, things were going great. And the summer's getting started. Uh, I'm a pastor and our church was doing fantastic, whatever that means. Our church was doing fantastic. We had new people, we had baptisms. We were just about one Sunday to break ground on an addition because we have a need for more space. And uh, great things uh, were happening. People were coming to faith, and uh, I was preaching sermons. Great sermons. C sermons with catchphrases. <laughs> I love being a pastor because, you know, you can be on the front lines of seeing those things and seeing what God is doing. You don't just hear about it in the newsletter or on Facebook. You're, you're there at the baptism. You're there when the person says, yes, I confess, Jesus is my Lord. You're, you're there when you see their lives transform. You see them come to the front at the altar call because you called the altar call. And it was, it was an amazing, amazing time. And, and there was so much commendation on my life. My church was just so thankful. I know this sounds arrogant. Please forgive me. Just so thankful that I was their pastor. That, that's arrogant, I guess. That was the outside. But at the same exact time, the inside of my life was a mess. I was filled with anger and rage. I would preach a sermon, get the commendation, and, and long for that more from, from people, because after all, they were so grateful to have me as their pastor. I was frustrated. I was grumpy, I was irritable, and you know who I was taking it out on? I was taking it out on my family, and none of the church knew it. I was a horrible husband. I was angry at my wife every day, frustrated about her issues, which there were many that were messing up my life. My children irritating me, driving me mad. And I was, the word really was on the rampage. That's the right word for it. I was on a rampage. And they did not know what to expect every day when I came home from being the wonderful pastor that everybody loved and loved the sermons. 
Seems like something's not right in that picture. And so you know what my wife did one night? My wife, over, over a fight that wasn't even that big of a deal. It wasn't like, it was just another fight. And she sat me down and she said, look, we're leaving. We can't deal with this anymore. I'm taking the kids and we are leaving because we are tired of you coming home and treating us like this. And I had a decision to make. Do I try to pacify it and just kick the ball down the road a little bit and say, oh, I'm sorry, and try to fix it and do this and let's go back to counseling and let's work it. You see, the difference in this time is she was for real. You know when mama's for real, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh. And she told me this and, and, and with tears in her eyes said this. She wasn't saying this because she was quitting. She was saying this because she couldn't be in that environment with our children anymore because I was on a rampage. And I had to decide in that moment, what am I going to do? What's wrong with that picture? I'm preaching. I'm helping people. But then the people that I live with, the people closest to me who were difficult for me to love because we're rubbing against each other and my issues are rubbing against their issues, I can't love them. And you know what I would do? I'd gravitate to the places and the people that would fill up my love tank. And that just made my family feel even better. Rampage, absent, irritable. This is my life. This is what was going on in my heart. And so that night, I left. And I, and I, and I called up my friend and I said, I need to talk to you. A fellow pastor in the church and I told him everything. And he was shocked. I said, I got to tell you because I can't live this way anymore. I'm talking to you and I, and I need help and I don't know what to do. And I don't know if they're going to be home when I come home right now. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But I, I got to set this straight. And so for the next day or so, I said, okay, God, what am I going to do here? And, and, and what became clear to me is that I needed to stop being a pastor. And I need to fix that area of my heart and life that had limits or justification or, or reason why I didn't have to love those people. In this case, those people happened to be the most important people. And so you know what I did? Sunday morning, I preached my last sermon, broken. I called my elders into the office afterwards. We're just about to plan this big ceremony to celebrate the church is growing and we're building an addition. And I said, look, this is going to come as a shock to you, but I need to take a sabbatical. I can't do this anymore. And they said, well, why? It's not that bad. And I said, no, it is. This morning, my daughter was driving me crazy. And so I put my hand over her mouth and I said, shut up. With tears running down her face. That's who I really am, elders, church. That's what's really going on in my heart. And I couldn't live this lie anymore. I couldn't justify my behavior anymore, say it's all Jess's fault or all my kids' fault or all everybody's fault. I had to get honest, I had to get real and admit that I had limits to my love and that my heart was broken. And I was going to church and knew mysteries and spoke in tongues and prophesied and kept the faith, but I lost my love. And so it didn't mean anything. I lost my heart of love. And I've got reasons why, and I can justify and say this, but it was on me. It wasn't their fault, it was my fault. I let the difficulties and the hardships get my heart hardened, and that's not what I should have done. And so for the next two weeks, I went in like isolation. I didn't talk to anybody or see anybody. I turned my phones off, my computer off, and I sought the Lord with all of my heart, and I said, God, Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, I need a heart that can work. I need a heart that can work again. Because I have limits to my love. And, and I've had a lot of people fooled. But God, I didn't fool you. So God, I need you to help me. 
I need you to fix this broken. I need you to give me a heart that works. And you know what he did? He reminded me how much he loves me. Day after day of those weeks, I love you. And he started filling up my tank. He started filling up my tank again. Because what I had been doing in all the time of the great sermons and the ego trip and all the rest is I had neglected getting filled up by him. And I thought that the religious service would, would equip me to be a person of love, but it didn't. I had limits to my love and God began to heal my heart. And, and I'll never forget, I was in this coffee shop in New Hampshire and what God said to me, as clear as you can hear my voice right now, he said, and it was like, you know when God talks to you, it's like, you're talking to yourself. And he said, I said, oh crap. This probably wasn't God's voice. This was me, God showing me something. Oh crap. Except I didn't say crap. Oh crap. Jess was right. All the times that my wife had told me about these problems, about my anger, about my grumpiness, it was her fault in my mind. And God turned it all around and said, she was right. This difficult person that led you to this anger, she had been showing you the whole time that there was a brokenness. And what my wife cho chose to do with her difficult person was pray and love and stay and confront and, and bear with and endure and have patience. When she drew the line in the sand and said, we're, we're leaving, it wasn't because she was quitting. It's because she needed to get away from the rampage. But that's an example. I know I'm embarrassing her and I apologize and I'll deal with the repercussions of this later. <laughs> she modeled to me how to love a difficult person. She didn't have a husband she could rely on to fill her up. She only had the Lord. And God gave her, a Christian, no different than any of us, the strength and the, the fulfillment to be able to love the most difficult person in her life and cause that most difficult person to seek the Lord for change in his own life. The only way we are going to be able to be the people that love difficult people, you know who the difficult people are in your life. You do. I know you do. These people that are weird, these people that are frustrating, these people that have hurt you, I know you know who they are. If you need to take time to think about who they are, do that. The only way we're going to be able to be Christians and love everybody is if we are standing before our God daily saying, Lord, I need you to fill me up. I need to get under your fountain. I need you to remind me again and again of this, this concept which we can never grow tired of, that you love me, God, and that's enough, that you're with me, that Christ died for me, that you care about me. Lord, let these things jump off the page. Let them be truths in our lives so that we can be the people that we want to be, that we love, that we love, and we don't have limits to our love because God has filled our hearts with love. You might not be in a job that can graciously give you two weeks to do that, but whatever we need to do to get to that place with God where He's all we need and He fills us up, you have to do that. There's no greater endeavor in your life and in this moment. If you need to take a sick day, if you need to take the weekend, if you need to say no to your plans and you go meet God and let Him remind you of His love for you, you need to do that. I'm telling you. If you're not sure and, and feel, if you're not splashing over everybody in your life that's difficult, we need to get back to the Lord's love and let Him fill us again with that love. And if He does, and when He does, if you only got a sick day that you could take, He'll fill you up. He knows what you need. He's capable. He's not only confined to my life situation. He'll fill you up. He'll fill you up and you can walk back into those difficult situations and be the person that in your heart right now, tonight, you really want to be. A follower of Jesus. A Christian. 
Someone that loves everybody. Someone that loves the difficult people. Someone that loves the enemy. Someone that loves the people that have hurt you. Someone that loves the people that have hated you. The people that have abandoned you. You can love them if God fills your tank. If God fills you with His love, you'll be unstoppable. There will be no limits. Oh God, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. God can give you a heart of love. God's limitless love can fill our hearts and soul to overflow with love for others. Maybe the problem with the difficult people in our lives isn't them. Maybe it's you and God. Maybe you're content with just going through the motions of Christianity, showing up, believing the right things, sticking around for a little while, being faithful and wearing the shirts and listening to right music and not having too much sex before marriage and not smoking pot. And da, 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 da. That's not what it means to be a Christian. Loving is what it means to be a Christian. And we can be those people with God filling and fueling our hearts so that no matter who comes our way, we can love them. That's who I want to be. And finally, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus tells us the reward of loving the difficult people in our lives. In verse 27, he says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend from those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. You see that in verse 35? Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. If we become the people that love without limits, that love the difficult people in our lives, it's tempting to think that we're not going to get anything back because those people don't give anything back to us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your reward will be great. What you're going to get back from doing this, which is the whole reason we're not even sure, you're going to get something back. It's a reward and it'll be great. And the reward is your sons of the Most High God. Daughters of the Most High God. Because when the difficult people in your life are loved, God is near you. He's close to you. He's with you or else you got no shot. You are His son. You are His daughter. There is great reward in loving the difficult people. Because in that, we know God. God is with us as we do that. My wife didn't have anybody else, but the Lord was near her. And when I sought the Lord, my reward was that God reminded me of Him. He woke me up again. There is a great reward to loving even the most difficult people in our lives. And the reward is God. There's no greater reward than Him. The temporal love back from people that splash you a little bit means nothing in comparison to knowing this God who Himself is love. Let's pray. Oh, Father... Oh, Father God, we need you to fill our hearts with your love. I do. I do, God. Lord, Scripture says that your love endures forever.
that your love is a faithful love, that you are love. And so tonight I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, who, who, who have difficult people in their lives, difficult situations in their lives. Maybe it's that people are frustrating them at work or they're irritated with this situation or that situation. Or Lord, maybe it's the, the deeper and the more painful things like we've discussed tonight. But whatever it is, Lord, my heart is that I could still love in those difficult times. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if your love fills my heart and life. Father, please, I beg you yet again, remind us of this timeless truth that you love us and that you care about us. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with your love so that we would have the resources to then love the people in our lives. I pray, God, that this generation would be a generation of love. That we wouldn't just be known by our deeds or by our political views or, or, or what we did or what we said, Lord. But let us be known as our love and by our love. And that may not make the news. That may not change the entire world, Lord. But let us be faithful for the time that we have. Let us carry this torch of love to the next generation and hand off to our children. A legacy of limitless love, Lord. Let us be that people. So help us, Father. Help us. Fill us with your limitless, limitless love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. That was pretty powerful, wasn't it? I mean, especially how he was so vulnerable and transparent in sharing his own struggles with what he went through in his own family. If you want to learn more about Victor Gluckin, probably the best way to find out about him is to go to his church website, which is livingfaithri.org. I have links in the show notes for this episode. Or also, you could follow him on Twitter at vglucken, first initial last name, V-G-L-U-C-K-I-N. Also, I have a bunch of other episodes with Victor Gluckin, episode 24, 66, 79, 115. He makes regular appearances here on Restitutio. He's spoken about evangelism. He's shared his own testimony. He's talked about how we need to be proud of our God. And a year ago, he preached at Revive 2017 a sermon on Uzzah when he touched the ark. And he called it, Don't Put It on a Cart. If you are, are looking for just one next thing to listen to, that would be the one. It's from the previous year. It's podcast episode 115. Don't put it on a cart. And just while we're wrapping up here, if you are interested in listening to any of the other sermons at Revive 2018, I've got a whole bunch of them on restitudio.org. Just search for Revive, and you'll find the post there called Glorious Love. That was the theme of the year. And there are quite a few others who presented that year as well. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.